the only thing that Barnabas would ever hold up over you is the cross of Jesus Christ. He'd say, look, that is what Jesus did for you. He'd say, look, church, be encouraged. God has kept every single one of his promises to you in Jesus Christ. Don't get me started, church. If I got started on all of those Old Testament prophecies and I showed all these good things that God has planned for you in Christ to take me a whole year. It took me a whole year at Antioch and take me a whole year here. Don't get me started, church. Barnabas would do that until you'd understand why it was that it was under Barnabas's spiritual leadership that Christians were first called Christians. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Today comes from Acts chapter 11. Luke tells us this history of how the risen Jesus moved in his church. This is what Luke writes to us. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is God's word. What if there was no Barnabas? If there were no Barnabas, then there would be no Antioch church. 
And if there was no Antioch church, then there would be no missionary journeys to the Gentiles. And if there were no missionary journeys to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, then there would be no mass first and second century conversion of Gentiles to Christianity. And if there was no mass conversion of Gentiles to Christianity in the first and second centuries, then there would be no Christianity for you. That is just one way that I can pull on the threads of history to show you the absolute centrality of this man named Barnabas. I could do it another way. I could do it like this. I could say, what if there was no Barnabas? If there was no Barnabas, then there would be no Paul. And if there was no Paul, then there would be no missionary journeys. And if there were no missionary journeys, there would be no Romans or Philippians or Galatians or most of the New Testament for that matter. And if there was no rest of the New Testament and no missionary journeys, then there would be no Christianity for you. What if there were no Barnabas? But since there was, meet Barnabas today. He's a Jewish Christian, a Levite steeped in God's Old Testament word, waiting for the Messiah. When he saw Jesus, he knew he was the Messiah. He was from Cyprus, a, a wealthy individual. He ends up staying in Jerusalem when he sees that now is the time. It's all happening now. Meet Barnabas. I imagine it went like this. Peter stands up in the church, the Apostle Peter. He says, nobody is going hungry in the Jerusalem church. Jesus fed everybody. We're going to feed people too. And Barnabas says in his heart, amen. <laughs> and he's land rich but cash poor. So he sells his land. He dumps it, the proceeds at the Apostles' feet. And the apostles are so encouraged that they stand in front of the church and they said, you know, if encouragement had a baby, it would be you. <laughs> you're no longer Joseph, you're Barnabas. You're the son of encouragement. Meet Barnabas. Luke gives you a couple sketches that show you that he got his name right. <laughs> he was Barnabas. Paul, formerly known as Saul, is persecuting people viciously in the church. He's got it all backwards. He thinks that Christianity is this distortion, this sect of Judaism that's wrecking it. So he viciously attacks the church. He's got it backwards. Stephen tells the rest of the Jews what I just told you, and so they take rocks, and they throw rocks at Stephen until his body is broken apart, and he's dead. And Paul stands with the coats, approving of it all. I don't want you to mistake what he's doing standing there by the coats. He's no coat clerk. He wasn't a junior officer. He was the field commander. 
He was the man in charge of it all. Persecution breaks out against Christianity. Paul's leading it. He's going house house to house viciously. Luke says he's going after men, and we should be sensitive to this on on Mother's Day. Men and women. He's a vicious, vicious man going house to house to eradicate Christianity. Men and women. Jesus can't have that. You know, Jesus can't have that. He loves his people, and so Jesus does what Jesus does, and he converts his enemies. And so Paul becomes a Christian, but the Christians in the Jerusalem church, at first, they weren't going to buy it. You can understand why. They're thinking, we just saw this guy rip a baby out of Lois's arms and then toss her into prison. We're not going to let this guy into the church. He's a vicious man. We don't know what he's capable of. He's probably just going undercover so he can learn everybody's connections and eradicate the church. We're not letting him in here. And then Barnabas steps up. He brings Paul to the apostles and he vouches for him. And he moves Paul into the life of the church. Meet Barnabas. That's key scene one. Here's the second one. We got it here in Acts chapter 11. This persecution breaks out in Jerusalem that Paul had been leading. And what happens is like like dandelion seeds in the wind, Jewish Christians, they go out all over the world with Jesus packed into their souls. And they tell all the Jews all over the earth the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then something happens that's different. Something happens that's different. For the first time in history, the gospel is preached to Gentiles. Men from Cyprus and Cyrene for the first time in history preach the gospel to Gentiles and it goes like wildfire there in Antioch. So you got to understand something. The Jerusalem church is the mother church and they're thinking about this. Everything's changing so fast. The gospel is going like wildfire all over the world and all of a sudden something new is happening. It's going to Gentile people too and they're thinking to themselves, is this a perversion of Christianity? You know, is this legitimate? Is this right? Are they doing this right? Are they distorting the word of God? What are they doing? It was such a tender moment. In church history, such a tender moment. You know, if the Jerusalem church comes in too hard, they squelch the gospel. But if the Jerusalem church comes in and they do this right and they make sure that the teaching is good and true and they blow on that fire, oh man, Antioch was the Chicago of the Greco-Roman Empire. It was the third largest city right behind Alexandria and Rome, the closest major city to Jerusalem. It is the crossroads of the empire. If Christianity takes off in the Gentile world, there is no stopping it. 
So the Jerusalem church sends Barnabas. It had to be Barnabas. And the gospel goes wild. Acts chapter 13, Antioch becomes the first church in the history of the world to send missionaries to all of the world. All because of Barnabas. So meet Barnabas. Luke holds him up for us today as an example. The scriptures love to do that. The scriptures love to tell stories of Christians. Christians are the original biographers. Did you know that? We are. The rest of the world got it from us. Plutarch's the first guy in history who actually starts doing this too. Plutarch very famously said, I do not write histories. He said, I write lives. Why? Because the lives of other people, they inspire us and they show us how to do life in God's world. I don't write histories. I write lives, Plutarch said. We still know this truth today. What do leaders all do who are good leaders? They read biographies. We need examples to be inspired to know how to live life in God's world. Christians are the original biographies. The rest of the world, biographers, the rest of the world gets it from us. So there's podcasts about people today and, and movies and fiction and nonfiction examples to inspire us and to show us how to live. So there's Moana. And then there's God's Ruth. So there's the Queen Gambit. And then there's God's Mary. And there's Will and Grace. And there's the Black Panther. And then there's God's Priscilla and Aquila. And God's Ethiopian eunuch. And today we meet God's Barnabas. His saint day is June 11th. Did you know that? It's kind of sad that here in the United States, American Christians seem to only know one of the saint days, St. Patty's Day. But Barnabas gets a saint day too. It's June 11th. We don't pray to saints. I want to clarify that. The Christian church clarified that 500 years ago. We don't pray to saints. The scriptures never tell us to do that. I clarify that because apparently still today there are people who pray to St. Barnabas when there's hailstorms. We don't pray to St. Barnabas. 
We pray to Jesus. He's our intercessor, our mediator, our atoning sacrifice, and he is our protector in hailstorms. We don't pray to him, but we do honor him. And we honor him because God honors him. God wrote this. I didn't write it. He holds up Barnabas for us. And actually, the Bible commands us to honor the saints. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. We're commanded to do this. And Barnabas most certainly qualifies. So how do we do that today? How do we best honor this man, Barnabas? Well, I'd suggest to you that there's only one proper way to do it. We honor Barnabas by letting him encourage us. I think he encourages us in three ways. Here's your first way. He encourages us today to see God working in the church. One of the things that I get to do as a pastor is not just talk to you, but I also get to listen deeply to you. And one of the things that I've heard over and over and over again over the past few months is this. Pastor, I've never seen it like this before. And I nod because I agree. I haven't either. It reminds me of a quote. I, I want to paraphrase it for you that I read earlier this week. The paraphrase goes like this. How do you know that you live in revolutionary times? You know it like this. When your kids, when the youth have to interpret for you what is going on in the world. See, normally our elders know best what's going on in the world, what it all means, which is why the Bible says if you want to know what's wise, if you want to know what's right, you got to speak to your elders. They've lived life. They know how it works. you got to talk to your elders because the world really doesn't change all that fast most of the time. So your elders know best. See, but when you got to talk to your kids, why is it that people are so mad about that thing again? You know, what does that term cisgender mean? We live in revolutionary times. So people say to me, Pastor, I, I've never seen it like this before, and I say, I haven't either. But do you know who has? Barnabas. Barnabas goes to Antioch. There are 
a bazillion different religions in that city. All people had all kinds of different ideas about truth. It's this wealthy commercial center. There's this strip of marble four miles long. Down the center of the city, there are street lamps in that city on both sides. And yet Barnabas doesn't come in and say, what are they doing with all of these gods? And how awful this must be. What does he do? He goes into the church. And he says, wow. I think the translation doesn't quite do it justice. The translation says that he was glad. That doesn't quite get it. He rejoiced, is what Luke says. Barnabas goes into the church and he says, wow, this can be nothing other than the grace of God. Barnabas, he encourages you to see the work of God even now. I, I think that what's been most difficult over the past year, year and a half, especially for Orthodox Christians is that we are starting to realize that the world has changed around us, that the tectonic plates of spirituality have shifted and are shifting. And it is scary to be in an earthquake. So if Barnabas was here, I think he'd roll in here and he would say this, Christ is still your rock. He'd come in here and he'd say, wow, <laughs> look at what God has done. Here at peace, there is this group of people who have not caved to the culture. They are filled with faith and love for God. This can be nothing other than the grace of God. Wow. He would say. And he would say, church, church, do you know when light shines the brightest? At night. God has made you for this time and this moment. You be the church. He would just look around at each one of you and just say, wow. So Barnabas would encourage you to see what God has done in the church. But I think, he, secondly, he would encourage you to see each other. There's a little line here in, Luke, in Acts chapter 11 here that whenever I read it, I stop and I'm moved. This is the line. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Barnabas went to look for the Apostle Paul. Paul had been run out of the Jerusalem church by Jews that wanted to kill him, so he fled to Tarsus. But apparently at that point, Paul fell off the grid. 
What happened to him? I mean, he was in Tarsus somewhere, but nobody knew where. Where was Paul? He fell off the grid. What happened to him? What was going on in his life? What was happening to him spiritually? What's going on with Paul? Barnabas went to look for Paul. Barnabas went to find Paul. When he finds Paul, he takes Paul to Antioch. They teach the Antioch church for a year. And the church in Antioch is so encouraged then that they, you know, commission Paul and Barnabas to go on the first missionary journey. And by the way, they take along John Mark, another little known character in Christianity. John Mark goes on this missionary journey with them, but he abandons ship. He abandons them. Why? We don't know. Was he scared? Probably. He abandons ship. So on the second missionary journey, Paul doesn't want to take him along. He doesn't think that John Mark is worth the chance. But you know who does? Barnabas will take him. So Paul and Barnabas go their separate ways, but because Barnabas would take him. And did you know this? John Mark goes on to write what is known today as the Gospel of Mark. Meet Barnabas, the greatest man that you've never known. I want to propose to you this. I don't think the church needs more Pauls necessarily. Do you know what I think the church needs a whole church full of? I think we need to be a whole bunch of Barneys. I think that for a couple of reasons. One, because there's been a few Christians that have gone missing in the church these days. Where are they, you know? What happened? Well, there can be a number of reasons why people have sort of dropped out of the church. Sometimes it's because there's legitimate fears of a worldwide pandemic. There is that. It's be legitimate reasons. Sometimes it's because of fear. It's just plain because of fear. Even though God tells us explicitly in the Bible, do not fear. Christians are sinners and they become full of fear. Sometimes it's because of fear. Sometimes it's because of a lack of love. People don't realize, Christians fail to realize, they are called to be Barnabases, that we are here to be in each other's lives, to care, to connect, to be there. Sometimes it's a lack of love. Where are all of these Pauls? You know, Barnabas. He just went. Where was Paul geographically? He had to to go find him. Where was Paul at spiritually? He had to go find him. Barnabas just went. I think it's good practice for us to do that right now. I think it's really good practice 
I'm not, I'm not a prophet and I'm not the son of a prophet. So I'm real hesitant. And I could be wrong. But I do think in this culture and in this place that it is be- going to become more and more and more difficult to be an orthodox, right-believing Christian. And I think it could become scary. And so it's very possible that there's going to be John Marks, people who get, because they're a little bit afraid, they drop out of the mission. And we're going to need to be Barnabas. We're going to have to go find those Pauls. We're going to have to go find those Barnabases. Barnabas helps us see people. Here's your last one. Barnabas helps you see Jesus. The apostles call Barnabas son of encouragement. In in Greek, that word is parakaleo. It means to call alongside. Barnabas is never a person who would put himself over you. He is always a person who is going to come alongside you. Now, this is important. One of the things that we learned 500 years ago is that when we honor the saints, we don't, we don't pray to them, but what we do do is we look at them and we use them as examples to strengthen us in our faith. So we look at Peter and we see how Peter denied Jesus and how Peter gets forgiven by Jesus and we think to ourselves, I can be forgiven too. And we're encouraged by, by St. Peter. But see, Barnabas works a little bit differently Peter's an example in the negative. He's a sinner who gets forgiven. But, but Barnabas, did you know this? He's the only man in all of the book of Acts who is called a good man. Barnabas is called here a good man. He had every right probably to come down and be over people. He never did. He always came next to them. Why? Because Barnabas shows you an example in the positive. Barnabas had every reason if there was anybody in the history of the church to trust himself. He doesn't. He doesn't trust his goodness. He trusts, just like Peter, the grace of Jesus. He would never put himself over you. So let me encourage you with that. If I know my church, and I think I do, there are people here who are very sensitive to the word of God. And there are people here who are going to be convicted by Barnabas. You know, we can look up to Barnabas and we can say, you know, (laughs) I'm here wringing my hands about the culture. Barnabas comes into the church and he just goes, wow. Look at Barnabas. Barnabas is, is, is off chasing every Paul and John Mark on the planet like a bloodhound. And sometimes we sit here and we're just worried about everybody else while we should be going out and doing it. He could be over us. But Barnabas would never do that. He'd just come alongside us. The only thing that Barnabas would ever hold up over you 
is the cross of Jesus Christ. He'd say, look, that is what Jesus did for you. He'd say, look, church, be encouraged. God has kept every single one of his promises to you in Jesus Christ. Don't get me started, church. If I got started on all of those Old Testament prophecies and I showed all these good things that God has planned for you in Christ to take me a whole year. It took me a whole year at Antioch and take me a whole year here. Don't get me started church. Barnabas would do that until you'd understand why it was that it was under Barnabas's spiritual leadership that Christians were first called Christians. Because under the leadership of Barnabas, those Christians would go out into the city of Antioch and they just wouldn't stop talking about Christ. So the world first started calling us Christians. Christ's both with and without the apostrophe. Christ's church in a time of massive cultural change. Will your Christ be your rock? Yes, he will. Church, in a time when, when sometimes we need our Christ to chase us. Will, will he chase you through Barnabas's? Yes, he will. Church, if Barnabas was here today, he'd say this to you. Remain true to the Lord with all your hearts. Even as the Lord will remain true to you with all of his be encouraged today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for raising up people like Barnabas. Thank you for sending Barnabas into the life of Paul. Thank you for sending Barnabas into the church of Antioch. Thank you for sending the Barnabases here into our midst. And Lord, Raise up Barnabases in your church. May it be us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen.